Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 113 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And man, we are already halfway through the month of December. Talk about the holidays coming up quick and fast, only a week and a half away. I'm actually looking forward to it. Just got about all my Christmas shopping done. Um, so I'm looking forward to the holidays and giving some gifts out for Christmas and celebrating the new year. Um, another year in the field of ufology. Definitely loving it. Um, so today we're going to be welcoming special guest Courtney Marcasani. Uh, Courtney has a BA in the mental health field. Um, she's a big part of UAP Medical Coalition, something that I'm also a part of. Um, doing great work over there. We're going to highlight some of that work that she's doing today. She's also an experiencer who has had one heck of an experience, um, one that I haven't quite heard just yet in the field that I work in, doing cases every day with MUFON and on the side. Um, it's definitely one for the record books here. It's, it's a strange one. Um, and she had uh, a witness with her as well. So uh, we're going to go through the details of that today. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, and also, Courtney has is in the, uh, the wellness field. She's written a book. We're going to talk about the title and what you can expect to read in that book as well. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting episode today. You are not going to want to miss this one. It's a very good conversation we had. Um, today's episode is sponsored by the podcast, Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. He's going over the paranormal, ufology, cryptozoology. If you like what we do here, you're going to love uh, co-host Diego's show, Let's Find Out. Um, you can get that in the link of the description of the episode below or over at our website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. So, as we always like to say, strap on them seatbelts because we're going for a ride. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 110 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And today's episode is sponsored by the podcast, Let's Find Out, with co-host Diego. You can get that information in the link in the description of the episode below or over at our website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Today, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Courtney Marcasani. How are you doing today, Courtney? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, we both work together with the new AAP Med, and I guess we'll kind of touch on that as well uh, later in the episode. Um, but you've been doing a lot of great research, um, some really good work in the wellness and health fields, uh, mental health especially. Um, but I guess before we get into all that stuff, I'd like to go back to the beginning of where this all started for you, where you got your inspiration from, um, you know, what topics came up because you're, in, you're involved in a couple different topics. Um, but like where it all began for you and kind of how it took place step by step. Well, the UFO part of this came about in 2015. I was with my daughter, taking her down to college from Alaska down to, um, Oregon, and we had a very close encounter out in the middle of nowhere, really. And it was, you know, around eight o'clock at night, and lights came down over our truck and then um, split into two actually, and then paced us for a while. And we had a lot of high strangeness. And so that's where this all started for me. But after this happened, this incident with my daughter and I, I started looking into my family, and everybody in our family had all had encounters. It's different kinds, but we're all experiencers. So that's really what led me down um, into this topic. 
And how did you wind up getting into the mental health field and the, and the health and wellness uh, aspect of everything? That was long ago. I worked, um, I worked in mental health. I went into, I'm from Pennsylvania too. So I grew up in Pennsylvania and um, I was in sports and athletics and played athletics in college. So I was a college athlete and I was really interested in, um, started out kind of in sports psychology, but um, I've just parlayed that into psychology and mental health. And so I worked in mental health for a really long time. I ended up moving to Montana and going to college in Montana. And then I moved out to Seattle, Washington. And I worked in Seattle, Washington for 10 years at a trauma center there doing, um, you know, counseling, clinical counseling. But then I also started doing a bit of lobbying for funding for our housing programs because we actually lost units of housing because of a grant that got cut back. So I got involved with that. And, um, you know, that's where my mental health work started long ago. And so some of that has come into play with, as you know, UAP Medical Coalition, because I'm working on my PhD now. And um, I've taken that like mental health, mental health work way forward now up to the present. And I'm working on anomalous experiences, near-death experiences, um, also synchronous experiences as they're related to the phenomenon. So like you said, a, a couple of different types of topics, but they're all kind of related, interestingly. Yeah, I think it's great that you, you started out in mental health doing that kind of work and then got into the field of ufology because your experience. And now you're working in UAP Med, which is kind of the combination of, of everything. <laughs> um, it's pretty, yeah. pretty neat yeah, how, how, how everything lays out that way and it kind of works um, pretty funny. Um, so could, do you mind telling us about your, your UFO experience and how that all went down? Yeah, well, we were on a trip. Um, my daughter was uh, having to get down to her orientation in September of 2015 for college. So we had to, um, you know, load up probably like a week in advance to drive down from Alaska. And we stopped in Montana and visited friends. And then we drove over from Montana to Oregon. And so we left Montana, you know, in the daytime, you know, not super early, but in the day. And then once we got over into Oregon, it started to get dark. The sun was going down. And so around eight o'clock, we're on this road. It was a highway called, uh, I think it was 395 was the highway we were going down. You can look at it on the map. And um, we're heading down this highway. And my daughter suddenly says, I see fireworks. And I thought it was really weird because we were out in the middle of nowhere. And so I was looking down, to, you know, trying to see them out on the distance and the horizon. And, um, you know, I didn't see them like she saw them. But all of a sudden, three lights came directly over the truck, like instantly, boom, boom, boom. And they lit up in a series, one on top and then another underneath and then another one down below, which was pretty close, actually hovering over the truck. And then that light that hovered over the truck, the last one, the lowest one split into two. And so I told my daughter, you watch the light on the right and I'll watch the one on the left. Cause we didn't know what was going on. And in my mind, I initially thought, well, maybe it's a helicopter. Maybe there's a crash. Maybe they're trying to hail us, but it became really apparent quickly that it wasn't, it wasn't a crash or a military thing because these balls of light started to come down on the side of our, each side of our our like door of our truck not not super close but they started to pace us as we were driving down the road like follow us oh wow and um yeah so that was really strange and that's when i started to get a little bit concerned 
And then, um, you know, my daughter was reporting hers was going up, it was going down, it was going into right angles, it was going fast, faster than an airplane, faster than anything we've ever seen before. And so we're just transfixed by these balls of light that are making all these maneuvers. Mine actually came down and came pretty close uh, to my side. And that's when I started to get a little nervous. And then meanwhile, I'm looking ahead up the roadway, watching the road as I'm driving. And I see this cloud uh, alongside the road to the left of the road. And I'm looking at it thinking, my mind is, is labeling it a train, right? The train must be coming towards us and it's kicking up, you know, steam from, you know, the engine. And as we get closer, I realize that's not the case. It's a huge dust cloud, like, like debris in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, like it looked like rock and ash, actually. And um, so we're thinking to ourselves, my daughter and I, and we're talking about it, maybe, there's a, maybe there is a crash and whatever came down and is hovering over the truck is also observing this crash or trying to warn us. We didn't know. So we get closer to the dust cloud and I actually pulled over because there was a car in the other lane. It was in the road, both doors were open, the lights were on and I went to get out of the truck to help out because I thought it might've been an accident. And uh, I stepped out on the road and it was an eerie dead silence. There was no sound of any people there was nobody yelling help, nothing like you'd hear on an accident scene, you know. And so my daughter, as I started to get out of the truck, I turned around and I said, just wait here and I'll come back. And she said, don't go, don't go. And so I felt that weird feeling that she was feeling and I got back in the truck and I locked the doors and I turned around and I had already been like pacing the mile markers on the road where we were. And then we turned around and then we went back to a town called um I think it's called Christmas Village and it took us a while to get back there and my phone was dead at that point so I went into a gas station and asked the attendant he was getting off the off a shift if I could use his phone to call 911 so I called 911 and I reported it and I told him where it was and it was on the road up to this town called Lakeview and they were just they were just not convinced you know she was like that's really far out there and I was like yeah it is, but we just came from there and I'm telling you that something is crashed or there's people out there that need help. And so um, we were standing there making this report to 911. And after we got off the phone, the son that was waiting for his dad to get out of work, he said, did you guys see the stuff in the sky? And we said, yes, we saw it. We saw everything. And so we were kind of validated, you know, that we weren't the only ones that saw it, but it was very strange, especially the car in the road, and the dust cloud and the lights above it. It, it never made any sense. It still doesn't make any sense to me. I still don't know what what happened. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You never seen any people from the vehicle that was sitting in the middle of the street? No, no. They were right in the middle of the road. Doors were open. The lights were on and there was nobody around. I didn't hear any sound of any voices. And it was a strange kind of quiet. It was really, um, I, I liken it to being eerily quiet. You know, so I don't know what that was about either and where those people went. Now, I've told people about this recently because I've been at a couple conferences and people have um, made suggestions. Like one person said at the Soul Symposium that I was at a couple weekends ago, they said, do you think that you witnessed somebody being abducted? And I had never, that had never crossed my mind before. 
Correct. And then someone else made the suggestion at the same symposium. They said, um, you know, they said, do you think that that time distortion that you felt with the quiet was time slowing down? And I had never, that had never occurred to me either. So I've been sharing our story. I didn't used to share it at all, but I've been sharing it more because people are coming up with really interesting um, theories, right. <laughs> hypothesis Absolutely. on what we encountered. See, I was going to ask you if you thought maybe this was a possible screen memory uh, and that you're really having something else happen, but you're seeing it as a dust cloud in a car in the middle of the street. So that has been suggested. Yes. People have suggested that that maybe our perception was altered but you know i knew something was weird when the lights were over the truck and so i started to track the time i don't know i had the foresight of mind to, to watch the clock good and we didn't lose any time and my daughter and i both tracked time together and then when we share the story we discuss what we both witnessed and so um afterwards though one of the things that is really interesting and this is what's led me to my work now as a researcher um, one of the things that I had after was after effects. And I, you know, I didn't know anything about UFOs. I wasn't in this field. I had no, no idea about any of it. And then I ran across Jacques Vallée and Eric Davis's paper called um, The Six Layers of Incommensurability. And many of the after effects that are in that paper, my daughter and I both had. So I was really validated after reading that because we had psi phenomenon. We, I mean, I had had psi phenomenon before this event happened. That's one of the things that I have to say and be totally transparent going forward. Um, but after this event, it kind of kicked everything up to a much higher magnitude. And so, you know, the after effects that came about lasted for like a year after the sighting. Wow, that's a long time. I know. It was very disorienting because it was so, um, it was so much. And for such a long period of time, that it took me a while with my own like healing process and integration process to incorporate all of it. Um, so yeah, it took a while. I have to ask you this question too, because you're, you're in the mental health field, you're, you're in the health and wellness uh, field at that point in time. And then you have this kind of experience, which is kind of really outside the box. What were you thinking afterwards? I did not realize in my own, okay, in my own consciousness, my own awareness, I did not realize that consciousness could shift so dramatically in, in, in so deep and so um, expansive. I had no idea how expansive consciousness could be, but that experience definitely kicked something off um, because there was such huge increase in lucid dreaming, siphonomenon, uh, telepathy, between my family members and myself, major synchronicities all the time. And then I started to see the numbers. That's another thing I brought about that a lot of people don't know, but I started bringing up the fact that I was seeing numbers for years afterwards, five, 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 three, 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 two, 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 two. And I'd never had that experience either. So it made me look at things and try to understand it in a scientific way. Like how can this be? How can experiencers have such an expansive, expansive consciousness state afterwards, and what does that mean? So that's kind of how I look about it. Look at it, but internally, as an experiencer going through it, it was really difficult. One because I didn't know who to talk to, 
So I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it except my own family. I did share it with my dad because he, he also had lights come over his car a long time ago. So I knew that he had had his story, um, but I, I didn't have a positive experience with reaching out. I didn't reach out to other people. I just looked at a lot of podcasts and things for a while, trying to understand this field and look at it as a researcher, but also interpersonally connecting how we experience this and trying to make sense of it. So that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I try to do it scientifically, you know, as a mental health person and psychology being my, being my main bread and butter, but I also look at it subjectively as how I experience the phenomenon. Well, that, yeah, that's what I wanted to find out. Did you question, you know, your sanity, like maybe the possibility that you were having a mental health crisis in your daughter at the same time, because you're in that field and then this is happening, something that you hear and you think is just, you know, fringe, yet it's happening to you. And then you realize that this really just happened, you know, so. Well, when stuff like this happens, like a long time ago, I used to do a lot of documenting of my dreams because I would have precognitions occasionally. So I used to be really into writing everything down. And so when all of this started happening and so much of it, downloads came, you know, it was just extraordinary. I started writing everything down again so that I would know through my documentation of it that I wasn't going crazy. That's great. That was one of the things that really helped me maintain grounding. And I walked a lot. I did a lot of movement meditation. And I did talk to uh, people that I trusted, a couple people, including my daughter, about how I was being affected. And nobody ever said, you are crazy. But they said, this is really unusual, what's happening with you. Right. And, you know, and I knew I was having a hard time with it just because I would still have to maintain my life. Absolutely. Go and do activities, right? Work out, go get groceries. And it was hard because the sensory, the sensory awareness was so massive and uptick that going out in society is kind of unsettling when you're so peaked or amped. Right. And so, you know, you're feeling everything and you're, you know, you're even in some, depending on the person, you're hearing more on the sound decibel. And so, you know, I went into all of that, like hearing buzzing and other things. And so it was hard, but I just documented everything to stay sane through all of it. And I knew that I was going to be okay. That's great to keep a timeline and everything because, you know, we do forget yeah. little things and to have that is, is great for documentation, like you said. Um, now, you said you had the after effects, you had telepathy, you had weird things happening. Did you have any any health issues from this at all? Or was it just stuff I, like... Yes, I did. I did. I had some headaches. I had some headaches after that were pretty, um, pretty intense. And uh, my daughter had headaches too. So we don't really have a history of headaches in our family. So that's one thing I noticed. Um, but it was mostly psychological. It was a it was a destabling kind of psychological expansion that I'd never experienced before that I had to work through with psychological means and through expressive forms, like I said, with the writing. And, um, you know, I did certain types of, uh, you know, therapy at the time that I was doing for my work. And those were beneficial. Those trainings were beneficial. So, um, you know, I just... I just think that without people knowing what happens after an extraordinary occurrence like this, it could be very destabilizing. Absolutely. So now that I've come through it, you know, I talk about it. I don't, you know, I don't talk about it a lot, but I'm starting to talk about it more because people really need to be educated, That's you know, right. about what to look for and to know you need to reach out. Yes. You need to reach out to other people and process what's going on. Cause if you just keep it all inside and bottled up, 
it's going to um, it's going to be too much. It'll be overwhelming. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And I mean, you don't realize how much it will help another person through their own experience just by telling your own. Um, you know, it, it helps people tremendously. You know, letting them know that there's aspects of your story that 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 coincide with theirs. Um, so we know that's a big help. So your book, did you write your book after or before the experience? Yes, I wrote the book after because what ended up happening is I was synchronistically kind of led to a teacher afterwards. And so I started to apprentice with this teacher and I was doing a lot of spiritual work, undergoing a lot of these transformations from the incident with the lights because of everything that got kicked off. So it was really good timing. And I started working with her. And um, that was just basically energetic techniques, but also dream work. And um, that led to the book. That yeah. book came through very um, synchronistically. And I just knew I got the answer. I was doing that work and I got the answer of what it was and what I was supposed to be doing. And that's why I wrote the book and continue to talk about sensory awareness as my main um, area of interest. But now I'm going into, you know, synchronous experiences and NDEs with my PhD work because I see a thread of it connecting to the anomalous stuff. Um, so the name of the book is Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive. Um, so yes. when you say people are sensitive and, and have this sensitivity, um, does this kind of have a crossover with what people call ESP, extrasensory perception? Yes. Yes. And so what I experienced when I came out of this contact with the lights, whatever that means, however anybody wants to label it, what it, what I experienced was augmented sensory awareness. My senses were augmented after coming back through that experience. So I could see more, hear more, feel more on a subtle energetic level. And that's what I describe in the book, that these individuals were like 20% maybe 25% of the population, we have this sensory awareness where we can see, hear, and feel things more than other people. And I actually had a, a nice conversation with Gary Nolan because he came out with the Cutting Tayman work right around the time I was going to publish. So I had an interview with him and I talked to him about the Cutting Tayman and went into some details with him and I included in that in the book as well. So there's definitely an underpinning of a lot of the UFO stuff within that book as research. You know, you're not gonna be readily, that's not gonna be ready, readily apparent, but it is in there. There's threads of it in there for, for people who are experiencers. Yeah, that's great. It's absolutely awesome. Um, and ESP is such a big topic when it comes to the field of ufology and people having it after these experiences like yourself. Um, now, when you say you had telepathy, um, who were you having this telepathy with? Was it contact experiences or was it people that you knew generally family friends things like that it was my dad and my daughter and we would um think of something and then the other person would say it or i would think to call my daughter and i would wait because i wouldn't want to be bothering her and then she would call me and say i've been thinking about you since this time and we would look at that and we would kind of analyze it and so the telepathic stuff went way up. And it was interesting because my dad and I had an experience where I was home in Pennsylvania on the farm and I was going to get corn because we were going to have a family gathering and it was like 4th of July. And so my mom said, will you go get the corn? 
And so I had to get like two dozen ears. And so I went to go get it and they didn't have enough. But on my way to get the corn, I'm thinking to myself, I need to go to the, uh, the old house, you know, where I grew up, which is not where my parents lived at the time. And so I'm coming home and I say to my mom, I don't have the corn. She's like, well, go back and get, get the rest of it. Cause they were going to go out and pick it. Right. <laughs> Cause we're farm, you know, we live up in the farm right. community. So I'm like heading back to go get the rest of the corn. And my dad comes out and he said, we need to go to the old house. And I'm like, that is so weird. Cause I was thinking on my way over to get the corn. I need to go to the old house. He's like, well, that means we need to go now. And so he and I had this telepathic thing, right? But we don't know it until we talk about it. Right. He was thinking the same thing at the house because he didn't come with me. And then I was thinking the same thing going to get the corn. And when I came back, we verified it. So That's the great. interesting thing about all of this is that my dad, you know, after we went to the old house, basically what happened is there was a pipe main that had bust into the basement. And nobody had been over there for years. So we find this water basically filling up the basement. And it was obvious we were picking up on something together, which is very odd. So after we stopped, um, you know, the flooding, he sits down on the front stoop. And I say, have you ever had this experience before where you see something before, you know, and he said all the time. But, you know, we never had that conversation. So I didn't realize he kind of had the intuitive, deep intuitive stuff. Right. So then we have this conversation and we figure out that we're both intuitives and there is definitely a thread, at least in our family that I've been able to document now that the psychic stuff is 100% connected to everything else. I just never made that connection before because we, I hadn't had a contact or a UFO experience. So I just looked at the psychic stuff as being kind of separate, but it's not, right. it's, inter it's, it's intricately, it's intricately connected. Yeah. Which Absolutely. I think is pretty cool. You know, it's a really cool facet of all of this. Yeah. For sure. Um, and like they say, great minds think alike, you know? <laughs> um, yes. It's pretty neat to find that stuff out when you really haven't talked about none of that your entire life and you find out, you know, it's, it's a pretty uh, cool experience for sure. Um, but let's go ahead and take our break real quick. And uh, when we get back, we can jump right back into that and uh, kind of go over UAP Med as well and what's going on in the field um, in your research, because I definitely want to touch on that today as well. Um, Sounds good. All right, so let's go ahead and take our break, and we'll be right back after these commercial messages. UFO Encounters Worldwide would like to announce our brand new home at the UNX Network. Listen to us every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear UFO Encounters Worldwide podcast. That's on the UNX Network. Have you always been curious about the unknown, the unexplainable? Do you find yourself intrigued by the mysterious and paranormal side of our world? Then let's find out with co-host Diego is the podcast for you. Join in on an adventure into the world of the inexplicable and get insights from experienced researchers, investigators, and experts. Listen to mind-bending discussions and fascinating stories as Let's Find Out explores the strange, mysterious, and paranormal. Let's Find Out with co-host Diego is a unique and engaging podcast that uncovers the mysteries of the cryptic and unknown. With insightful interviews and discussions, they discover the very latest theories, discoveries, and investigations that may someday give us the final answer as to what may be behind the veil of reality. Available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, YouTube, 
iHeartRadio, Radio Public, TuneIn, and Rumble. This is your host, Jesse Peak. Check out our official website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Read up on UFO articles, including abductions, close encounters, sighting cases, megalithic structures, and more. Also, check out our new Facebook group. You'll get updates on guests every week, new events coming up, and our schedule of who we're going to have on in the future. Again, that's UFO Encounters Worldwide Facebook group and our website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. UFO Encounters Worldwide wants to hear from you. Have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host, Jesse Peak, at ufoencountersworldwide at gmail.com today. Looking to get some UFO merchandise? We'll get some UFO Encounters Worldwide official stickers, and we also have pins. Check out our selection, DM us or email us if you're interested for inquiry, and we'll show you our selection. All pins and stickers are $3 each and $1 shipping, or you can mix and match any five for $10 and free shipping. DM us or send us an email if you're interested. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the second half of our episode 113. Um, so before the break, Courtney, we were talking about your experience, kind of going over that. Um, so you joined UAP Medical Coalition, something I'm a part of as well. And you having the mental health background is absolutely amazing to be involved with UAP Med as well. And being an experiencer on top of that. So you kind of understand from both sides of the coin, which is really neat. Um, how did you get in, how did you find out about the project? Um, you know, what are you doing now? Kind of give us a rundown. Well, I had heard about Deb's good work. Um, and we met at the Inquirer Anomalous in New York in the spring. It was in March. And so I just approached her and I said, Hey, um, I saw that there was an announcement. It was on LinkedIn and I saw it on LinkedIn. And so I kind of put that in the back of my mind. And then I saw her and I said, hey, I see that you guys might need help, you know, with your organization. And she said, oh, yeah, we do. And so I started in March and I didn't know where I would come in and how I would lend help. But what I have found one of my, um, you know, expertises is in this is in the political stuff, because I used to do political work, like I said, at the opening um, of the first part of the call where I used to do, um, you know, essentially like lobbying for homeless programs in our housing and in mental health. And so I was really good at that. So I've been lending that experience to UAP Medical Coalition so they can stay on top of the legislation. I've met with a couple of, um, well, Tim Burchett, staffer, senior policy advisor for the UAP issue. I met with him and talked about UAP, UAP Medical Coalition and kind of did a, an introduction about the organization. So I also do a lot of technical writing. So I lend my technical writing experience to UAP Medical Coalition for papers, copy editing, writing, or making suggestions. And then I think the third thing I do for UAP Medical Coalition is do academic research. 
So I read the research, the emerging research, what's in there, what's in the field. And then when I see issues coming up, especially things like terms and things that people are trying to put into uh, terminology about medical incidents, you know, one of the things I do is make suggestions on that. Psychological, coming from psychological, academic, clinical, and then also from the UAP field. Yeah, it's excellent. That's awesome. Um, great work for sure. Um, now, you know, being UAP med and you having, you know, had some effects come away from having your own experience. Um, what is something that you come across in your research a lot that you see other experiencers walking away with uh, health-wise, whether it be mental health or physical, from an experience like this that, that we kind of do research on? I think one of the main things that I've seen as a thread between the stories and the physical effects is autoimmune, autoimmune disorders and autoimmune issues, and they're stress-related. And so when people have an experience, if it's highly stressful, one of the things that that does is it affects the immune system. Um, and so that comes about in different ways and it appears in different ways for each individual. But that's one thing that I've been tracking for a long time. Um, there's also, um, you know, this distortion of perception that we were just talking about that's very highly anomalous. And so that's another thing I track and talk about openly about the perception changes that happen through consciousness. Now there's a whole field of people out there talking about consciousness, but what I'm interested in, especially with UAP Medical Coalition, is to make that connected to the hard science if we can, if it's possible, you know, to show that these effects are real, it's not just anecdotal, and hopefully to do studies someday to show how it's working. You know, not like Gary Nolan did because he's got that huge lab in Stanford with all the amazing equipment, but, you know, something along those lines to show the real effects that are happening physiologically. That would be amazing for re experiencers, for the field of research and medical treatment. It would be incredible. Absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a very important thing because, you know, many of us have walked away with these ill effects from having experiences <clears throat> when we go to the doctors we're misdiagnosed, which is a big part of what UAP Med is trying to change by educating medical professionals on what happens when you have an experience like this so they can get the right treatment, right medications, you know, the right diagnosis when they go to a, a doctor or whoever they're trying to get help with. Um, so I, I think it's a... Which brings up a good point. That brings up a good point of another thing that we do at UAP Medical Coalition that's not readily known, but, you know, we talk a lot about post-traumatic stress. and Everybody knows about post-traumatic stress because it's been so well covered, but when you're talking about the anomalous part of this and the experiencer, um, subjective experience, a lot of times PTSD comes about Absolutely. after these experiences. I mean, not always, but when it does, that's something that, you know, I think we do at UAP Medical Coalition as well is to raise awareness about that for clinical treatment, for best practices, and to make recommendations for clinical providers in the field. Now, with you being in the mental health field, have you seen, are you familiar with anybody that is familiar with the field of ufology? Do you know anybody that's, that's doing this kind of work in that field that you're familiar with? Or are you still not seeing that kind of transition yet? Yes, there's crossovers. There's a researcher, Thomas Rayburon, he's in France, and he's written a couple papers about the UFO phenomenon and experiences 
he looks at it uh, psychologically and he talks about different kinds of symbology that experiencers um, uh, undergo within their own consciousness. So he's one of the premier researchers that talks about this. There's some people in the UK, there's a, there's a new psychologist coming in, um, Daniel Stubbings, he's working on it. He's relatively new, but he's, he's really interested in doing psychological work. So he's a crossover person who's a regular uh, traditional psychologist who's doing on that. We have our own psychologist on our board um, you know, C.J. Robinson, he's working on it and he's bringing new terminology and language into this and trying to work on um, even going into like APA diagnostic criteria. So, yes, I know a handful of really great psychologists that are working on this. And that's a wonderful thing to be able to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I think it's amazing to, have, yeah. to be able to see it happening, uh, you know, from the start where, where that transition is actually starting to physically happen. And, you know, people are getting the proper help they need finally. I think it's amazing. Absolutely. Well, and we can't leave out um, just because this is one perspective and a modality that I think is very important that gets left out. But spiritual healing, I also think that there are people doing a lot of work in spiritual healing and what these encounters do for the paradigm shift that people experience internally and their worldview changing. And so I don't want to leave out like spiritual modalities of healing or complementary healing that are outside, you know, regular traditional medicine, because all those things can be beneficial as well, Absolutely. not just, you know, like clinical psychology. There is an integrated way um, of treating these things. And so it doesn't always have to be just your regular MD, um, you know. So I do see other people in the field doing those other kinds of practices and they're also um, on the cutting edge. So it's nice to see a lot of different people working on this. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, so I did wanna to touch on, you know, you were accepted to the Bigelow Institute for Co of Consciousness Study International Essay um, to do research into the afterlife. Is that, what I, is that what I'm reading correct here? Yes, yes, there was a thousand people, over a thousand people applied you had to send in an application and basically your experience, you had to have experience working in afterlife or near-death studies. You had to have been involved with a couple of different associations, one or two of them. Um, and so I submitted my, um, you know, my proposal essentially and my background and I got accepted. So I was one of 205 people that were accepted. Wow. At the that. end. Yeah. And so I didn't win one of the big prizes, but I did get to write a paper and put my work out there in that in that community. So tell us a little bit about your research into the afterlife, because that's something that I think is a very big topic in this field and a question many people have if it's real or if it's not. Um, so what have you found out through your research? What is your opinion? Well, that that paper that I wrote talked about. Um, you know, basically like these types of anomalous experiences, near-death experiences, psychic, and mostly like psychic awareness and psychic awareness connecting to the afterlife through different forms of, you know, either psychic protocols or different types of mediumship protocols. And so I broke those out um, based by different teachers and different researchers who I'd studied for like 20 years. And so I wrote it all out in the paper to highlight that these types of individuals, intuitives and ex, uh, empaths, visionary empaths, so I talk about them in the book, right? Intuitives and visionary empaths were the ones in my study who were the ones who were most able to connect with the afterlife. And so I wrote about it. 
I talked about those different personality profiles. I talked about the different characteristics, so how people would be able to identify themselves if they are intuitive or an empathic visionary, and that's what I wrote the book about. So it was one part book, my book research, and then it was another part about NDEs and afterlife contact. So uh, what have you found out about near-death experiences? Because many people in this field have had those as well, um, and then they wind up having an awakening, as they, some people would say. Um, what is your opinion on that and uh, near-death experiences in general? Well, the research shows that when people undergo either a complete clinical death or even a brush with death, where they go through the experience of the shock and going somewhere else, whether it's leaving the body or contact with a guardian like an angel or a family member, an ancestor, or even a deity of some kind, um, culturally, like a cultural deity, um, they come back changed from that experience. And one of the other distinctive hallmark features from that is there is sensory augmentation after an, e an, an NDT or NDE as well. So more sensitivity, heightened levels of awareness, feeling more, um, you know, seeing more either well in the astral plane or even seeing things um, coming about that other people can't see like hypnagogic images and other types of things that are, um, you know, more frequent after they come back out of an NDE. We also know that people when they come back from an NDE are better uh, remote viewers because they have more sensory augmentation and with certain types of protocols, they're able to be more accurate. We also know that through the transition, after going to this more expansive place, whether it's through a tunnel or through a garden or a huge light or seeing family and people greeting you, when they come back to this reality, there's usually either a choice to come back or there's a mission or a purpose to come back and live the rest of their life. And they also agree to that. And so the transition back into mundane reality can be pretty painful because they come back with all these abilities essentially from being on the other side. And so that's the other thing that I think is connected with the UFO experience or phenomenon is when you go through that experience of contact or an encounter with maybe it's NHI, you have that change like I discussed kind of at the beginning of our conversation. And so that transition of integrating that in seems to be very similar. They're different, but they have different types of um, coinciding, coinciding um, phenomenon that affect the experiencer, whether it's an NDE experiencer or whether it's a UFO experiencer. So with all the different crossovers we kind of talked about today and the different topics, do you feel that, you know, this is a very big like controversial thing right now, UFOlogy and the paranormal and having a crossover between the two of them. Do you believe in that? I think there's definitely a connection, yeah. And one of the things that points to that is that Ann uh, Whitley Strieber's right wife was answering all of his letters from all mm -hmm. the people that had had experiences. Yep. You know, whether it was contactees or abductees at that time, through these different periods of time, you know, whatever label you want to put on that experience, one of the things they said was that there was an ancestor or they saw somebody from departed or they went to another plane where they saw people who were past. And so I do think it's connected. I mean, I had that experience myself because my dad passed away after I had my experience and he, he came afterwards through my, um, that integration period I was going through with the downloads and I saw him couple times. And so I've also experienced it firsthand. 
that it's connected. Now, I don't know how, I don't know why, but it's definitely, when you look at the research, there's definitely incidence of um, afterlife contact embedded within the UFO experience for some reason. I don't know how overwhelming the evidence is because nobody I don't think has done that work, but there is definitely themes of research that focus on it. So uh, I guess kind of with that being said, do you believe that ETs or non-human intelligences have some sort of role to play when it comes to our human species? Yes. I wouldn't have said that before. I would have said poppycock about that. (laughs) (laughs) Because of how pervasive the NHI is in humanity's uh, experiencers anyway, in their lives, it definitely seems related. And uh, you said that with, you you know, you, you had your experience, but you didn't know your family had experiences until afterwards. Um, right. So do you think that it's a possibility that all of the experiences together are possibly the same race or same non-human intelligence that has stuck with your family throughout the generations? I don't know. That's what I leave open because, you know, a lot of it's anecdotal and it's the perception of the individual, like my sister or my father, you know, or my mother uh, seeing stuff, you know, at the house and the farm. And so it's hard to say. And because there's so many different types and there's so many different shapes and there's so many different types of beings, it's really hard to say. So I can't, I can't say for sure. And I've never seen an actual, like, you know, being I've had encounters, but I can't say that for sure. So I don't typically go there until I have, you know what I mean? Like strong evidence for it. And I really don't right now with my family, but I'm still working on it. It is, it's ongoing. Okay. That's great. That's excellent. Um, so I guess let's kind of th- uh, move forward to today, to um, what's going on in the field of UFOlogy today. You know, UAP is a big part of moving forward and in the future of the field of UFOlogy. Um, but right now there's a lot of stuff going on with, you know, Arrow and the government and politics with, with different bills. Um, and disclosure is the big, big, big topic with these bills because there has been a couple different writings within the bills that, that deal with UFOlogy and bring in transparency for within the field um do you do you really think that arrow and 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 the dod are really going to be forthcoming with the information that they have to where it's going to actually give us anything that's pure that's that's really good you know hand in front of you evidence of of ufos in general or or anything at all (laughs) don't shoot the messenger okay don't shoot the messenger, but the way things are shaping up, and this might be more of a little bit of a pessimistic slant on it, but the way things are shaping up and the way things just turned and the way the bill was gutted, it makes it look to me more like a blue book situation. Okay. We've seen it before. I think we're going to see it again. I don't think that they're going to be able to put the genie all the way back in the bottle because of the whistleblower testimony. Right. Uh, a whistleblower testimony and several several that might be coming out more. So I don't think they're going to be able to negate the whole issue and say this is all swamp gas. Right. But I do think they're going to batten down the hatches and try to re- rework the whistleblower law so people like David Grush can't come out as easy as he did. And even though this wasn't easy for him and he had to give up his career, they're going to make it harder. That was part of the NDAA. They're changing the law. 
So that's one indicator that no, they're not moving towards transparency. They're actually moving more towards secrecy. So I don't think we're going to get disclosure, no, but I do think we're going to get more information, yes. But where experiencers are and where people in research are in this field, they're way ahead. They're way ahead. So anything that comes out from the government, they're going to look at it and just go, whatever. You know, they're going to be like crestfallen because we're not getting the craft. We're not getting the firsthand witnesses that have touched the craft and worked on it. No, I don't think we'll see that now for at least five years. That's my estimate. Now, see, in my opinion, being an experiencer, you're an experiencer. The people that I've worked with, I, you know, I work with experiencers and, and reports every day with MUFON. Um, in my opinion, disclosure has already occurred, um, you know, in, in, some, in many of the aspects anyway. Um, we look at how many different sightings we've had. Even the DOD has shown videos of unidentified objects. We know they're in our airspace. We know things can mess with our electronics that are flying in our skies. Um, their speeds are, you know, unlike anything we've ever seen. Their technology is so far advanced, it's insane. Um, Nuclear and- housings, right? They can shut the, they shut Maelstrom down, exactly. right? I mean, that was a well-documented case. They just came over and flew over and just shut the whole thing down. Yeah, so it was Minute Air Force I Base, think, Maelstrom Air yeah, Force Base. Yeah, I think that we have. Like, I think you're right, Jesse. I think, I think we have. I think we've gotten confirmation. I think that we've gotten, if you would have asked us five years ago, right, if we would be here now, we would be like, well, I hope, but probably not. No way. Right. But we, we have a bill now, and everybody's really upset about it because it got gutted, but at least there is a you know, recordization device right. for the government to be able to put this in the national archives and record, you know, these secret documents potentially within, you know, 25 years, the whole document in its entirety has to be published. So there is ground that's been made, but as you know, with classification of secret SAPs and other things, they're all coded under different names. That's right. That's and it's so highly so compartmentalized, nobody even knows how to get the records. So it's, right. that was done by design. And it was done under the Atomic Energy Commission, which means it's like the highest top level of security underneath nuclear stuff. Right. So I think that we might, we might get dribs and drabs, but I think they're actually going to try to, um, you know, dig deeper in dig yeah. deeper in and make this even more secure. But that's just my opinion. No, I, I agree so, with it because, you know, even since when all this first started, when they came out with the the first release of the documents, the nine-page report, when that first came out, you know, they started to control the situation from day one with that, not going back before the early 2000s into the 90s. Everything was from 2000 forward. You know, they kind of just brushed aside all the stuff that happened but in between Blue Book and, and today. Um, so they were already had a narrative of where they were focused on what they were trying to do. Um, so I, I agree that they always have a control on the situation and they want only let certain information out that they want to get out. And the way that they're going to word things, it's hard for us to find information like that. So I believe they're always going to have that that hook in us. You know what I mean? Controlling everything. Well, And, and how about the, um, as it pertains to the UAP Medical Coalition, how about the... Uh, anomalous health incidents language. Now I went in there and I analyzed that. There's not a lot of it, but what they're basically doing is putting uh, future funding avenues in for their personnel, for the government personnel that have been affected. And it does say energy directed weapons, but it also says anomalous phenomena. Hmm. And so they have in there countermeasures, analysis, how to identify. So 
they're putting that in there because they want to be able to do funding for any of their personnel to get hurt in the future. And we already right. know this happened one time with John Burroughs yes. and uh, Penniston over in Rendlesham. And, and I was they, just going to bring him up. You know, he had won. to go to battle to get his medical records released because it was classified so he could have a special heart surgery because he was affected by the anomalous phenomenon That's when right. he was on the job. That's right. So there have been case precedences of this, but we don't know how many cases are out there. And so the fact that they put this language in means that they are acknowledging it exists, but it's only, I think, going to be in a very, very narrow group of people and it might just be for Havana syndrome. We'll have to see. We'll have to monitor it and, and wait and hear from people who have been affected by it and have had anomalous health incidents to see, you know, what they're tracking and what data and what treatments they're getting. So that was also pretty big for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And like you said earlier too, you know, we never thought we would be at this point a couple of years ago where we would have bills put into place we would have these releases of documents and videos from the DOD. So we are yeah. making ground. We're making our spot in history in the field of ufology. Things are getting done. It might not be up to the speed or capabilities that people want it to be, but things are moving along. And it might not be our generation, but our next generation might even have more than that. And it's going a lot faster than what we originally thought it would. Um, so I'm at least yes. happy with that. You know what I mean? I'm happy. I mean, moving you're right on. And it's such a delicate balance to strike because what I find with experiencers, this is a, an interesting, I'm sure you've experienced it yourself, an interesting researcher thing is we kind of get things in advance. Yeah. Whether it's through synchronicity or putting, being put in, uh, put in contact with the right person who opens the door. You know, the experiencers seem to have a certain edge with that kind of... Um, you know, path that opens up. It's hard to describe, but it's very synchronistic. Or maybe it's the CIA just cross-pollinating people because <laughs> they want them to share research, right? I don't know, but it's happening. And then there's this other part of it, right? Because we kind of want everybody to be up on that speed where we are kind of on the leading edge. But then you have this huge body of work being done by all these people. And so there's got to be like really serious gratitude so much gratitude for what's been done. That's All right. these people who worked on legacy programs and brought this information out. I mean, I'm a newbie. And so I'm always really deeply grateful to people that came before and all the great work they've done that's led us to today. So I try to be positive in that way that we've Absolutely. gotten what we've got. I always tell everybody, we can't forget about those that came before us and everybody that went through this before us and the research that was done. So you're absolutely right, 100%. Um, I, yeah. would, I would love to keep going with this conversation, but we are out of time. And unfortunately, all okay. good conversations go fast. And then today it did. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Jesse, for having me. It yeah. was so great to talk with you and vibe with you and hear more about your work and what you're doing. So yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's keep in touch. Let's stay connected. We surely will. Um, Cause we, you know, we really haven't had the chance to, to talk yet. So today we did, which was great. I'm happy to finally yeah. get to know you a little bit. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience. Cause I know some people it can be a little difficult given details of experiences and I appreciate the work you're doing in the field. I think it's amazing. Um, you know, so uh, hopefully I'll be back at these Saturday meetings once event season is over. Um, 
But uh, until then, hopefully. Well, I'll see you on there because I've missed those two because of personal reasons and family health stuff. But I'm heading back to Alaska actually right now. So okay. I'll see you when I get back home to Alaska and we can we can connect on the calls. Yeah, I do. I do event. I work for an event company. So we already, always have events mm-hmm. on Saturdays now on the weekends. So unfortunately, yeah. you know, I try to meet with Ted during the week now. We're starting to do that. So. But we'll There's back. a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Yeah. Yes, so you're going to want to get back in. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Courtney. I appreciate it. Um, we'll definitely keep in touch. And uh, thank you for coming on again. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. No problem. And you guys can go and find that uh, Courtney's book over at Amazon. Uh, it comes in Kindle version and the printed version as well. Um, I'll put that information in the description of the episode below so you guys can all get that. Um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in today's episode. Please make sure to go check out our sponsor, the podcast. Let's find out with co-host Diego. You can get that information in the description of the episode below and over at our website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to episode 113. And until next time, remember to keep your eyes in the sky. Well, I want to thank Courtney for coming on today and sharing all the information we went over today. Um, Please go and make sure you check out her book called Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive. Um, You can get that over at Amazon, whether you want ebook or you want an actual print copy. Um, So thank you again, Courtney, for coming on and sharing all that information. It's great stuff and great work you're doing uh, with UAP Med and as a health and wellness coach. Um, Your research is absolutely amazing. It speaks for itself. So thank you for coming on today. Um, Next week, we were looking to get a guest on, but due to the holidays, uh, it's going to be a little um, choppy in the next couple weeks. Um, So we'll try to get episodes in and uh, get some content out to you guys. Um, I hope all you guys have an amazing holiday if we do not get back on before the holidays hit. Um, And please go make sure you check out our sponsor, Let's Find Out with co-host Diego, the podcast and radio show available on all podcast platforms and YouTube. Um, He's going into the fields of ufology, the paranormal, and cryptozoology. Um, If you like the content we bring here at this show, you'll definitely like his show as well. Um, You can go and check that out over our website or in the description of the episode below. Our website is ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to episode 113. I appreciate your listening ears each and every week. And we will see you again next time. So remember to keep your eyes in the sky.